Well, Don Tootin, we're going down to the record rodeo today, and we're going to have some good times listening to some classic American music. That was an awful accent. I, I do apologize. I'm sorry. Hello, and welcome to the Talking Music Podcast, where we, you guessed it, talk about... What do we talk about? Uh, what is it? Um, we don't talk about we don't talk about films. We don't talk about books. Music. We talk we talk about music. That that's it. It's just click for me right now. It makes a lot of sense. So, I'm Josh Ferguson, and I'm going to be joined by Connor Bryant very very shortly. This week we bring you another instalment of Record Rodeo. Yes, another instalment of Record Rodeo, where we collect the albums that we've listened to over the past month and discuss those albums in a album review roundup of sorts. So, in Connor's segment, which will come later on in the episode, he's going to be talking about some emo records. Emo records. And I can absolutely guarantee you, I haven't even listened to his thoughts and his recording yet, but I can absolutely guarantee you that he will go off on a massive tangent about how much emo means to him and why emo gets such a bad rap online and in the music community and just how good emo is. I can just get, I can feel it in my bones. It's enough to make my system blow. Whoa, oh, 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 oh. whoa, 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 whoa. Connor is a massive emo. He's a massive emo. God, I, I'm proper cringe today i'm again i apologize so in his segment he's going to be talking about the hotelier he's also going to be talking about the new earl sweatshirt record Ooh, and he's also going to be talking about a daughter's album huh which album is he going to be talking about though the new one or one of their more abrasive classic works from a decade prior tune in to find out and the records that i'm going to be talking about are as follows I listened to a lot this month, to be honest. I had a really good month this month. Uh, as opposed to the last record rodeo, where I only really liked one album, everything else I just felt really indifferent to. This month, the records I listened to were either really good or fucking fantastic or really great. There really wasn't a lot that underwhelmed me. There are, there are a couple of records that underwhelm me, and I will rattle those off real quick before we dive into the really good stuff. So first of all, I listened to that new Well Sweatshirt album. I'm sure Connor's going to be talking about it more in depth, but I don't really have that many thoughts on it. It's a bit of a mess. It's not that cohesive. It feels like a compilation. It's a good beat tape, but it's not really that great of an album, in my opinion. I can definitely see the hype around the, the album, but it's just not resonating with me in the same way as resonating with other people. I want a little bit more meat to chew on when I listen to hip-hop, and this album didn't really do it for me, unfortunately. So, I also listened to Playboy Carti's Die Lit, and this is a very uncommon, unusual album for me to listen to, in all honesty. I'm, I am not a fan of trap music. There are some trap songs that I like, 
just to put on the background, but I've never really considered myself to be a fan of the trap music genre, which sounds incredibly white of me, I know. But I don't give a shit. Like, it's just such a hodgepodge of similar-sounding artists and the same repetitive beats that I just can't invest myself in the genre as a whole. And this album, while there are some bangers on it, is exactly why trap music is so boring to me. It's just because everything sounds the same and everything just blends into one. It's it's only going for a vibe. It doesn't do anything to channel any emotion or any sense of humanity uh, soul or anything there's nothing besides a good beat or like a good vibe and that's it and like again like i said it just becomes really repetitive and really stale after a while this is this thing is like 19 20 tracks or some bullshit and it's an hour long and there's there's some bangers on it for sure but about halfway through i just get so bored i give up like, my first listen, I was like, oh, I was really getting into it. And then it hits the halfway mark. I see there's 30 minutes left, and there's, like, 10 more songs. I'm like, fuck this. I can't be asked right now. And I can't. No, I just can't. If you're a fan of trap music, I'm sure you love the shit out of this album, and you love the shit out of Playboy Carti, and all the people that are featured on this record. But this isn't going to be an album I revisit anytime soon. Take my opinion for what it is. It's a guy that doesn't like trap music reviewing a trap album. What else can you expect? So yeah, those are the only records that I didn't quite like or just felt really underwhelmed by this month. All the other records I'm going to be talking about, I either recommend or I highly recommend or I highly, highly, highly recommend. So starting off, I'm just going to rattle off some more albums because like i said i listened to a lot this month and there was a lot of good music this month so i want to mention as much as possible uh i listened to just mustard wednesday so wednesday by just mustard if you're a fan of shoegaze noise pop uh dream pop and like noise the noisier side of dream pop and noisier sides of shoegaze this is a great album this is a really fun catchy spacious album um in the long run, I, I, not much of it's sticking with me, uh, and it does feel very much so in the line of other records in these styles. It feels very derivative, it feels like Sonic Youth, it feels like uh, Galaxy 500, but those aren't really bad comparisons. So if you're a fan of those bands, check this record out. It's a pretty solid record in the shoegaze canon. Uh, I also listen to sequence by rattle and if you haven't heard this band i'm not surprised these guys are very 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 underground they're really only known within the uk underground scene because i mean i saw them live when they were opening for protomata on their uk tour and when i went to that gig with connor uh we saw the opening act on the event page i was like oh who's who are these guys rattle like um, and then we saw them live, and they fucking blew both of our minds, because it's such an interesting project. Basically, Rattle is made up of two people, two women, who both play drums. 
and that's it. There's there's no other instruments included in their music. There's no guitar. There's no bass. There's no synth or piano or xylophone or accordion. There's just drums. This is a project made up entirely of percussion. And this isn't just a gimmick or a novelty. They haven't come together and be like, oh, what if we make a band and an album, but it's not really a band, it's just two drummers. That's, what a crazy idea. Let's make it. You know, they're not tugging at your balls, you know. like They're actually approaching the music with vision. And the, the, the way they play the drums and the way they uh, interplay with each other it feels like a bigger band. It feels like more than just two sets of drums. Like, the, the kick drum feels like the bass. The snares feel like the wailing guitars. And there are vocals on this record as well. They're very ominous, they're very spacey, and they're very aloof. But they add a lot of atmosphere to the tracks, and they add a lot of meat to what are otherwise very bare-bones instrumentation. So, yeah, Sequence by Rattle. It's just four songs... 40 minutes, each song is about 10 minutes long. The drumming is fantastic. The interplay between both musicians is something to behold. Like when we saw them live, they were fully in the zone, and me and Connor were just fully entranced by the music they were creating. So, if you've never listened to these guys before, which I'm sure for most of you is the case, if you've never listened to these guys before and you love percussion, you love the sound of drums, and you're just looking for something very heady, alluring, and entrancing and hypnotizing, do check out this record. They deserve way more listeners than they're already getting. They are so overlooked and underrated at the minute. No one knows of them. Um, But hopefully, hopefully within the next year or two, they can garner more attention. And I think this record is definitely a stepping stone towards that. So do check out this record. The album is Sequence by Rattle. I also... On top of that, I also listened to Beacon by Tess Roby. And God, this is a gorgeous record. Fuck me, this is gorgeous. It's so beautiful, this record. Like, oh my God. I just wish it was spring and summer again. So I can fully just soak in the sounds of this album. Oh my God. So, this is a dream pop album. This is a debut album nonetheless and the instrumentation on here the singing everything on this record comes together so nicely to create such a gorgeous atmosphere um it's just a, like i said and a record that you can just soak yourself in um and there's some really great standout moments in just the way the music is composed uh, for instance on the song plasticine hills which is definitely a track you should check out uh, if you want a, a taster of what this album's like the song Plasticine Hills, there's this really groovy bass line. And I just love, not only do I love the bass line itself, but I love the way the bass sounds. Like I can actually hear the finger plucking. I can hear the slide down the uh, the neck of the bass guitar. And it just sounds so resonant and thick and warm. Um, and that that's actually a great descriptor of this album. It just, it's so warm sounding, um, even on digital. Even on MP3, this album has an aura. It has a space around it. Uh, it's just a lovely little record. Um, I just wish it was longer. It's a very short record. It's only eight tracks, about 30, 35 minutes. I just wish it was longer, to be honest. So if you haven't checked out this record, I, I do believe this has flown underneath the radar of a lot of people. I haven't seen a lot of talk on this record at all. 
I, like, I just stumbled across it online at one point. I was like, oh, that's an interesting album cover. It's quite short. I'll check it out. And lo and behold, it's a great fucking record. So, yeah, Beacon by Tess Rovi. If you're into dream pop, into pop, into spacey atmospheres, check this record out. It's sick. And then on the flip side of gorgeous dreamscape pop music, I'm now going to be talking about some thick, heavy, doom and gloom music right now. The next album I listened to was Feast for Water by Mesa. Uh, M-E-S-S-A. Mesa. Feast for Water. These guys are, I believe, Italian, and they create some really groovy, heavy, traditional doom metal. Uh, with some leanings towards noise rock and industrial music, um, but their sole focus seems to be Black Sabbath era doom metal. And, you know, for a lot of people that criticise doom metal, this can be a problem for them. Uh, specifically Connor. Like, Connor says this to me all the time. Ever since I got into doom metal, he keeps saying to me, all doom metal bands nowadays are just Black Sabbath rip-offs. Why do they keep ripping off Black Sabbath? Blah, 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 blah. And, you know, that is true to an extent. I'm not going to argue with him when he says that. It is true to an extent in that, yeah, there are some major, major Black Sabbath worship within the doom metal scene today. Um, But then again, Black Sabbath were a fucking amazing band. Way ahead of their time. So if you want to worship them, then by all means do it. You know, you're not worshipping a bad band by any means. But I do understand the, uh, the criticism of doom metal being very derivative of a classic band, such as Black Sabbath. Mesa, on the other hand, they do share influences with these other doom metal bands. They do have a Black Sabbath influence, which they wear very cleanly on their sleeve. But the way they channel that influence, and the way they write riffs, and the way they present their music is anthemic. It is heavy, authoritative, and just groovy. The riffs on here are sick. Listen to the song Snake Skin Drape, which it has an amazing riff on it, and the way it wails and sails towards the end of the chorus on this track is just blood pumping. Um, it has a great speed to it, great pace to it. Um, and I think the other thing that makes this band stand out are the female vocals, which are powerful. They are incredible. The first time I heard them, and when I listened to this album, I was kind of amazed by them. I was just mesmerized by listening to this woman just channel her inner Satan just over these really hard-rocking riffs. And she's quite versatile on the record as well. She does a lot of slow, soft whispers on some of the tracks, and then when she wants to go all out, when she wants to belt her voice out and just soar, over the guitars and drums, she can, easily. The only complaint I would have against this record is that past the halfway point, the record does lose a little bit of steam, and it doesn't really pick up after a few slow songs near the middle, unfortunately, and there is one song with a saxophone on it, and I'm all up for saxophone on uh, songs outside of jazz music, um, but with this saxophone solo on the song it's so plain and boring and just like generic you know and it's just one of those moments where uh, a metal fan hears a saxophone on a metal song it's like whoa dude 
that's a new instrument. That's not a guitar. That's new. It's innovative. But in any other context outside of metal, the way that instrument is played is the most boring way you can play that instrument. But other than that, I think this is a really solid album, a really solid doom metal album. Uh, if you're looking for hard rocking riffs, great vocals, and just very heavy production, then yeah, check this record out. It's a fuck ton of fun. Now, I want to talk about the records that really, really blew my socks off this month. Uh, two of which are actually very gloomy doom metal albums. And one is quite an underrated, overlooked album, which I've heard no one talk about and is potentially my album of the month and is definitely going to be high up on my album of the year list. Uh, but first off, let's talk about Bellwitch with Longing, their debut album in 2012. Me and Connor, very recently, within the last week or so of the recording of this episode, we saw Bellwitch perform Mirror Reaper live in full and it was fucking incredible it was unlike anything we've ever seen live the drums were so loud and so heavy i i I swear to god i could feel the breeze from the speakers whenever there was a drum hit whenever that drum just slammed down i could just feel like a soft (laughs) brush against my hair it was so it was that heavy it was that heavy, and the bass was just so low and so thick that I actually felt a little bit sick throughout the performance. And like, it wasn't enough to ruin my enjoyment of it, but the rumbling from the bass was just like literally rumbling my insides. Like it was just shaking up my intestines and my stomach, and to the point where I almost felt like throwing up at some point. Uh, it really fucked me up, and it fucked up a lot of people too. We saw around the uh, the gig hall that a lot of people had their heads in their hands, and some people got up to go to the bathroom and then never came back. You know, they were fucked up, and understandably so. But yeah, so in preparation for the gig, I listened to Bellwitch's 2012 debut, Longing, because I hadn't listened to it before. I only listened to Mirror Reaper. And I wanted to revisit their discography before I saw the band live. And Longing is just as fantastic. It's just as heavy. It's just as doomy and gloomy and just as sad. Um, Sure, not as ambitious as Mirror Reaper, but it's just as raw and just as emotional as Mirror Reaper was. So if you haven't checked out the record, if you've neglected it, like I had, because you've only listened to Mirror Reaper, and that was like the album you fixated on uh, when getting into Bellwitch. Do check out this record. They've actually recently reissued it earlier this year. They put it back out on vinyl, and I actually got the vinyl now. Sounds amazing. Uh, it's super heavy. Um, yeah, definitely check out this record. Check the record out, because I've seen a lot of press releases for it, and people saying it's timeless, you know, it's an album that just transcends the Doom genre because of its blend of Doom and Slowcore and just general sad boy music. (laughs) And, you know, they're they're not wrong. They're correct in saying all those things. Um, This definitely does feel like a new landmark album in Funeral Doom. This is like the album you look towards when you want to create a new Funeral Doom band in this century and in this decade. 
so yeah, props to Bellwitch. They are fucking killing it. And I cannot wait to see what they do next after Mera Reaper. It's going to be very interesting to see what they follow up with following that record. Um, but yeah, fantastic band. Longing, an amazing album. The other record I want to talk about is Matawan by Planning for Burial. Now this isn't really an album per se. This is more of a compilation. The extended title of this record is Matawan collected works 2010 to 2014 so these are just various unreleased singles and songs from eps that planet for burial otherwise known as tom Wasluck, uh, has put out over the years and he's collected them on this one hour and 45 minute project and holy fuck it's so good haha <laughs> it's so damn sad I love it so uh, if you don't know about Planet for Burial, he is a one-man band, an uber-talented one-man band, and has put out probably the best album of the decade, and that is Below the House. Below the House is phenomenal, and ever since that record, ever since I got into him through that record, I've just been devouring his material, and his blend of doom and noise and slowcore and drone and... Uh, funeral doom and just all these various genres of heavy slow gloomy music is very unique and unlike anything i've listened to and it's just solely solely planning for burial and this compilation even though it is a compilation and it's just a collection of unreleased tracks and just singles it feels cohesive because i feel like planning for burial has a particular vision when he's creating music no matter what period of time or what the intention behind each song was all these songs come together so nicely because they are driven by one sole artist and with one specific artistic vision so the flow between each track is phenomenal. For like, like I said, for a compilation, this feels like an album, uh, just like a massive, massive album. So there's a lot of different sounds on the record. There's a lot of black metal sounds, like shrieking and screaming, harsh guitar, and then there's a lot of like quiet, gentle drone ambient pieces, and slow ballads, uh, a la Duster, Red House Painters, and early slowcore acts it's just a beautiful depressing heartfelt and human collection of songs um i I wouldn't say if you've never listened to planet for burial this is the album you need to check out i do recommend his studio albums before this record but if you're already a fan of planet for burial if you're already a fan of the genres he works in then this definitely isn't worth looking over like i was putting it off because it's a compilation and it's you know i'm not really one for eps and compilations anyway but as soon as i saw it was two hours long or nearly two hours long and it's by planning for burial and i was just desperate for new material by him yeah i checked it out out of morbid curiosity and i do not regret it at all this is just an utterly consuming listen with a lot of standouts and a lot of highlights and just an all-encompassing aura surrounding that. It's a fantastic record, fantastic project. Uh, so again, Matawan by Planning for Burial. And now, finally, 
my album of the month. The record that, if you go check out any of these records, this is the one I highly urge you to check out. And this is the one that I've heard no one, fucking no one, talk about at all. This record came out in June, and I'm only hearing about it now, right? I just stumbled across it on Facebook, and I was like, oh, that's an interesting album cover. That's an interesting album name. Let's check it out. And it's great. It's fucking fantastic. So the album, I'm going to stop cock-teasing, the album is called Have You Considered Punk Music by Self-Defense Family. Now, I will say off the bat, this record isn't for everybody. I've seen in the comments of their music videos and their full album streams on YouTube that, you know, there are a lot of people I've seen that just don't like this band for whatever reason. I haven't checked out the rest of the material. I don't know what the rest of the material is like, but this album particularly, Have You Considered Punk Music, is definitely a major, major highlight of 2018. It's definitely one of the most overlooked records of 2018 as well. Like I, Again, no one's talking about this. And I will admit, this record did take a little bit of time for me to fully get into, because when I approach the album, I hear the album name, Have You Considered Punk Music, and I see the album cover, it's a black and white photo of two people in bed, and I'm thinking, oh, fuck yeah, it's going to be like this heavy, throttling punk album, right? And, you know, the album title is meant to be like this really ironic statement, it's meant to be tongue-in-cheek, it's meant to be representative of the playful, political nature of the lyrics, right? That's not what I got. Instead, what I got, and was pleasantly surprised by, was this really gloomy, sad, depressing, vulnerable indie rock music. With these really reverby guitars, the slow-paced drumming, and these super, super raspy vocals. Like, it sounds like this guy's just woken up and has like 10 cigarettes a day before he goes to bed and then when he wakes up and then hops into the studio to record his vocals. He is so raspy uh, and so downtrodden that you just feel every word he sings. And some people call this style of music and this approach to lyricism poetry core uh, because it does, you know, the lyrics are very wordy. The vocals are very conversationalist. So for some people, that's going to be a turning off point. But I think there's a lot of merit in the themes being portrayed on this album. This album is very much so focused on growing up, maturing, toxic masculinity, and failed relationships due to this struggle to mature and grow up and adjust to the real world and real life and being an adult. But on top of the lyrical themes and the concepts of this album, I also just really deeply love the sound palette and the instrumentation of this record. It's so slow and downtrodden and emotional. Everything on this record just sounds incredibly personal and intimate. Despite the band consisting of several members and the band playing several different instruments throughout the album, and despite the big crescendos that come on some of the songs, especially the last track with the ascending acoustic guitar that just keeps strumming and strumming and strumming and the vocals keep getting louder and louder and louder. You know, Despite these loud and powerful moments like this, it still feels human and down to earth. No matter how grandiose this album can be, 
you know, I'm not saying this is like orchestral sound or anything like that, but whenever this album does want to sound big, it still feels vulnerable, as if it can snap at any moment. And Connor, I know you're listening. This album is technically considered emo. So if that doesn't convince you to listen to this record, I don't know what will. I'm going to end it there. Please check out this record. It's deeply, deeply affecting. Definitely isn't going to be for everyone. The music is very slow. The lyrics are quite angsty. They're quite... They do read like a teenager's diary sometimes. But for me, the sound palette, the emotions I get out of this album, it just ticks all the boxes for me. Definitely, absolutely going to be one of my favourites of this year. So, speaking of emo, and speaking of the man himself, I'm going to pass it on to Mr. Connor J. Bryant for the albums he listened to this month. Yeehaw! And it's over to you, cowboy. Over to you, partner, as you talk about your rec- I'm, I'm so sorry. Uh, fuck me. I'm going to stop. Connor, please take over. Good evening, ladies and gentle fish. Oh, it feels good to be back. Although, missing Josh. Where's he gone? He's so close, but so far. Huh, okay. But you know what they say, the show must go on. And uh, just because me and Josh are shit at scheduling and uh, all that jazz doesn't mean that we can't get an episode out to you guys. And obviously Josh has recorded his half. I'm going to record my half. And I'm going to talk about some albums that some of you might want to check out. Like I've been doing. It's fun. I like I like listening to a lot of music. A lot of different genres. And at the moment, like, I've, I've been kind of kind of a little bit burnt out. I've, I've, I've recently kind of given up on 2018 releases. I've, I've, I've had everything in a playlist and now it's now it's all finished and i'm just kind of listening to the ones that come out now so like even albums that are you know supposed to be good that are 2018 releases i think i'm just i'm just burnt out on this year so i'm just going back and re-listening to stuff that uh, you know I, I either should have checked out or i don't know just whatever floats into my head and then i'll just be like oh you know what i've been meaning to check that out but you know, since I've been coming off the back end of 2018, I've got some 2018 releases to talk about. Uh, that isn't where I'm going to start, though. Um, I'm actually going to start with an album that I listened to very, very recently, um, within the last couple of days. And, you know, I'm, I'm uh, it's no secret, I'm a self-confessed emo, or at least, see, I went through an emo phase of late when I was younger, but that was like, you know, embarrassing emo that that's like the kind of i'm gonna put my hair in front of my uh, face kind of emo like the the bullet for my valentine kind of emo not 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 a good not a good phase of my life but uh since then you know i've grown up and admittedly just got into you know more of the whiny emo as as, as some might call it um you know so I, I i i sort of defend emo a lot because you know i i understand that people can't get into the vocals or they think it's derivative it's just you know noodly guitar playing with uh, a sort of melodramatic singer on the top and you know I, i'd agree a lot of the time but there's a lot of great emo records out there you know early emo you've got you know like sunny day real estate american football 
you know, there's 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 lots and lots of great stuff out there. Uh, what was the other stuff? Uh, you know, uh, this town needs guns and karate and a few others. I'm still catching up. But one of the ones, uh, more recent ones that I uh, I found out about, I think within the last couple of weeks I found out about it, was the the hotelier or the the ho- hotelier? I, I I don't fucking know how to pronounce it. It, it. it looks weird on paper and it probably sounds weird in real life. Anyway, uh, the album is Home, like no place is there, and uh, you know I, I I'd heard a lot of people praise this album for actually being emotional emo, like having a sort of emotional core to it, being quite sad and and just kind of down to earth and you know what that's that's exactly what i got and 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 to me this album is really really heart-wrenching and i think it, what what separates it from a lot of other emo revivalist stuff is this isn't just you know melodrama this isn't just like my mom and dad kicked me out of my house and and now i've got to crash on a friend's sofa for a for a month whilst eating pizza and I'm gonna make some jangly tunes about it whilst I kinda go into this half screamo, half whiny pitched American voice about it. Nah, this this album's legitimately fucking sad. And and you know, there there there'd been times like to and from work that like it was like it was getting me. I could I could feel the lump in my throat just listening to some of these lyrics and, and that's what I think separates it. I I don't think Musically, I think I think it's it's it. The instrumentals are. See, I hate using the word derivative, but they do sound very much of the genre. They they're not exactly breaking new grounds. It's not being experimental, pushing the envelope. But you know, sometimes with good music, it doesn't always have to go that route. If you are playing the genre to its absolute strengths, then what's the problem with that? And that is exactly what this band and this album does. And then added with the lyrical content is it just it really really just hits you hard like the the way that the instruments all come together along with these um, amazing choruses and these amazing emotional climaxes within the uh, within the album and and uh, you know I I think instead of that melodrama of just like random teenage life that that grit and that actual sadness you know from tracks like your deep rest like oh my god that is like horrendously sad which i i you know just looking at the lyrics if i if i could take an interpretation sounds like um one of his friends or or a close friend had committed suicide and he's he's talking about calling in sick to the funeral because he he can't be there like he just he feels emotionally that he can't be at his friend's funeral and and that's saying even seeing the body would make him uncomfortable that he feels responsible when even being near the parents and that he he found notes and everything like that and like all of this like um because I've, I've read up interviews and apparently this is all took place within this person's life this is all based off real experience and it's just it's horrendously sad you've then got housebroken which is like this metaphor uses a metaphor as if you're a dog being housebroken in and and just um sort of becoming a sort of slave to your own ways and 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 being i i i don't fully i haven't fully gro- uh, engrossed it it's only been a couple of days of listening to it but it's just like the way that it's presented is just really you know it's really sad and then my favorite track of the album which is discomfort revisited just another really really sad track kind of dealing with like depression and suicide and and about like 
this girl that had to break uh, like break away from this guy or the 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 lead singer of our protagonist in this um because of her self-confessed uh mental issues and and her mental health state and by the sounds of it she got sectioned she got locked up or like to save herself from herself but she still eventually after all this time wanted to be with this guy and this guy having to come to the conclusion that it's just not the right decision and having to tell her that and this fucking chorus with this like type um delivery is just like perfectly executed and it just really really is like hair-raisingly sad and i think especially the last half of this album is just kind of non-stop with hit with like these types of tracks you know like um uh, yeah just the the, la- the last half like really really does kind of just punch you in the face with its lyricism and you know like i said it's, it's it's not like the most creative um you know emo project it's not pushing any boundaries but it is really really heartbreaking at times it's really really sad and i just keep having it on repeat it's just a really really good listen to be honest speaking of uh of albums though that sort of just rough you up a little bit been listening to Daughter's self-titled album from I think 2010. You know, ev- everybody, everybody is talking about um, their new record. You won't get what you want, and it is a fantastic record. Which is exactly why I went back and listened to the rest of their discography, which you can do within about the space of an hour. I'm pretty sure the self-titled Hell Songs and whatever their first album's called, that's like 11 minutes long, it'll take you less than an hour to listen to all of that. And then total discography being about two hours long. Anyway, you'll fly through it and you'll absolutely adore it. But um, self-titled in particular, I thought it's really, really crazy going back because uh, You Won't Get What You Want is such a brooding and and aggressive, but like almost like an inner turmoil record, like, the atmospheres, the the gloominess, and the and then when you get those aggressive cuts, they're like a punch to the face. But like the other tracks that just like build and build with these big big atmospheres, those harder tracks are like the payoff. Whereas on self titled, it's like the entire album is those punches to the face. Just every fucking track, just a punch, a punch, a punch, a punch, and and it just keeps going. And oh, it's so rewarding to listen to every track is a goddamn belter from start to finish every track just like molds into the next one perfectly like i remember a couple of times thinking like wow you know for such a short album this song is actually pretty long but it was just that literally it just so smoothly just glides into each track so to me like standout tracks are like the hit the virgin sweet georgia brown is fucking insane and and what i like about his track and and it's, it's something i can say about most of the record i love the vocals in this album probably more than i do on you you won't get what you want the lead singer is really really playing to his like southern drool that he has and and the whole album kind of sounds like a hellish elvis record <laughs> he's got all these really really noisy guitars and hard hitting everything but the guy the guy's like southern drool just sounds like just a really really angry elvis and it not that it's making me it's making me laugh saying that out loud but like listening to it it's just such a weird experience but yeah if you're if you're looking for something that's like that is exactly like you won't get what you want, but just harder, like in every single way, and more aggressive. 
this album does that. Uh, it gives you that. I, I, I think I prefer You Won't Get What You Want just a little bit because I think its hooks are just that bit stickier. They're, they're, I love the brooding nature of You Won't Get. But self-titled is so close to just being on the same level just because of that aggressiveness, because of how hard it hits and, and the the guitar tones, the squealing guitars like on the hit. Oh, just mm, fantastic record. Absolutely amazing. Moving away from anything kind of guitar-based and moving on to more, I guess, sample-based, uh, we have the new Earl Sweatshirt record, Some Rap Songs. And you know, um, I've I've never been a massive fan of Earl's work. Um, I you know I'm not a huge fan of a lot of like the odd future scene. Just it hasn't ever really done much for me. But you know, lots of hype was surrounding this Earl Sweatshirt album. I was digging some of the production choices, and you know, I've I've always admired Earl for being kind of the different one, the outsider. He's always had more interesting styles of production, and he's always kind of lyrically been upfront about his depression and just life and how shit it is and uh i've always appreciated him uh, for that and just being kind of real on the mic you know and i gotta say like this new album is really really chill like right from the get-go it's just like really really nice smooth beats really nicely put together kind of like uh you know it, it, it feels old school in the sense of when i say old school kind of like of that sample era like sort of mf doom uh mad lib type stuff like jay diller like all of that kind of era like in the production but it also still sounds contemporary especially like when compared to other records that came out this year like from jpeg mafia like it sounds like it's both contemporary but borrowing a lot from its roots and i think especially with um sweatshirts like sort of lower uh tone in his voice it, you know there are those mf doom comparisons i don't necessarily see it in terms of flow or in terms of creativity because i don't think he does reach those heights that doom does but i i i i understand those comparisons as much as i enjoy this album though and and you know i've been playing it a lot whilst i work and just having it on in the background and sort of enjoying it while for what it is um my 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 kind of issues is like and i don't i don't know if i'm going to get a lot of shit for this but one of the things i love within hip hop music is that i love to have a hook i love to have something that i can lyrically hook onto and repeat for days you know kendrick has this doom has this like there's just so many things uh within amazing hip hop albums where lyrically it like sticks with you and you got it just in that like little refrains in your head all the time where it's like as much as like production can get in your head all the time and i really love it when it does that you need a good blend of the both and i just think this l sweatshirt album to me didn't have those hooks it didn't have that thing that just sticks with you that was wholly memorable it's a it's a great album whilst you got it on and it's, it's a great album to just like sort of chill out to i think the beats are really sort of serene and just calming and especially with uh sweatshirt's voice just like really really low it's 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 just it's a nice album to have on and sure i haven't dug into the lyrics yet so maybe that's why i'm not connecting to it on an emotional level but i just i for me i didn't come away from this remembering much of it unless it was on and i was like oh yeah this part's great this part's great but as soon as I come away from the record, I just don't remember a huge amount of it. And 
Um, not only that, but the mixing's kind of all over the place. There are tracks where he sounds like really, really quiet in the mix. There are tracks where he sounds too fucking loud in the mix, where he's like overbearingly loud in the yeah, it it it's it's overall it's a really enjoyable record. I just don't think it's living up to the hype that surrounds itself currently. But yeah, I I I'd, I'd say check it out if you haven't already. I think most people have, but I don't know, hit or miss. It it's it's enjoyable. It's just not great. And the next record I'm going to talk about is what I would consider one of 2018's massively overrated albums, Hookworms Microshift. This thing, like, at the beginning of the year, like, I saw posters all over the fucking tube stations in London, just absolutely everywhere. This album was getting huge amounts of press, like, all these music publications giving it high, high rankings, like, already, like, it was, like, in the middle end, uh, the middle of the year list, like, our oh, best albums of, of 2018, like, Hookworm. His album is so fucking boring, so fucking generic, and just absolutely, I, I know earlier I was talking about, like, say, like, emo music, sounding derivative and 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 being and being boring because it doesn't do much with a sound this this does absolutely nothing with a sound and everybody is going absolutely like mad with like about this album and it's just not worth it it's so so overrated and i hate using that word but it really really is it's just it did nothing for me like absolutely nothing like it really just, like, there was not a single chorus that stuck with me. There was not a single, like, melody or anything that felt worth it. You know, it's it's only, like, 45 minutes long. And I just remember there's a track on there that's over six, seven minutes long. And it just, oh, it dragged. It dragged. It just, it's taken that sound that, like, sort of, um, what, what like, sort of Tame Impala and, and, and other psychedelic rock bands. I, I'm not particularly into that genre. It's not terrible, but it's just... Mm. Yeah, don't listen to it. It's not worth your time. If you, if, I mean, if you're into it, tell me why. Why are you into it? Like, what, what does this album do that no other psychedelic pop album has done? That, that's 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 all I'm feeling with the matter. It's just don't listen to Hookworms. Overrated. Does not deserve its nine out of tens, ten out of tens. Just I don't know. I feel like I'm being really harsh on it now because it's not a terrible album. It's just. I don't, I don't get it. I don't get it. it. It just ain't for me. Which then leads me to my most disappointed album of this year. The stakes were high for Smashing Pumpkins. Right? They, they got, they got the band back together. You know, minus Darcy, which is kind of sad. But they did it. They, they got the band back together. You know, there was a few tracks on this album that I, I, I quite enjoyed. You know, it's, it's really short. It's like something like eight tracks, half an hour long. So it's really not exactly an investing listen. But it's it's meant to be a volume one, so we can probably expect like more albums down the road. But you know, tracks like uh, Silvery sometimes I I quite enjoyed. I got quite a nice chorus to it, and you know, I, ju- I just I think it it sounds like nice and calmer pumpkins, kind of like 1979-ish, but nowhere near as good. You know, I I thought um what's it what's the other fucking track on this album? See, I can't even remember the track names. March on is like the heavier track on this album which i thought actually worked quite well if it had better production i think it would like really be a standout track but no production sucks so that was disappointing and then oh my god this thing this thing opens up with with the track oh that is just embarrassing like first song on the track list is uh, knights of malta and this thing is awful 
like it literally opens up with like Billy Corgan doing this wow 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 in his vocals and it's like oh my god what is that that is oh Billy 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 what are you doing man and then it just goes into this like really just awful sort of string section builds up into this chorus of chorus vocals just like like talking about we're gonna we're gonna fly forever and just cheesy fucking lyrics and it's when you've been waiting this long for a proper reunion to smashing pumpkins and this is kind of the product that you get you, you there's no way you can't be disappointed you know um i think solara is okay that was another one of the lead singles off this um but Kind of everything else is really, really forgettable. And the fact that it's only half an hour, you know, I think this was recorded initially as like an EP. I think this is the other thing is that from the context that I understand is that this album is kind of just like thrown together because when the band first got back together and was doing rehearsals and run through, they just started writing threw a few things together and I think like Rick Rubin said, hey, look, this is good enough. Let's let's like mix this. Let's record this properly and let's do it. And they had reformed, they'd gone and toured, like, all of their, like, classic shit, and, 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 you know, some of the newer stuff as well, and just, like, got the feeling back as a band, and they got in the studio, and say they got Butch Big back, or they got another producer that isn't Rick Rubin to produce them, and to really make this album stand out, and to really take time with the songwriting, because when you're, when you're back together as, like, essentially a new group, You've got to get to know each other again. You've got to get used to each other. I don't think James Eha and and Billy Gordon had spoken to each other for 16, 17 years between when the band originally broke up and between them reforming again. You need to reestablish that relationship and reestablish that relationship as songwriters. And this album feels so thrown together. But really what it feels like here is Rick Rubin's encouraged them to release demos that should have never seen the light and it's really 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 sad to see it's just so flat that's that's the only way i can describe it is flat there are some decent moments on it uh, but it is far 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 from being good or great it's slap bang in the middle it's like a solid five out of ten it's like the spark is somewhere in there but instead, they just threw something together so quickly. Do I give up on Pumpkins? I don't know. I've I've still got like their first three albums. I I, I don't know. I don't know. Just the idea of Pumpkins being back together. I, I just I don't think I'm gonna listen to Volume Two. I just I, d- I don't need that. Anyway, that rounds up. That that's my record rodeo. Hope you're all having a lovely day, a lovely evening, or. Maybe you're having a good dinner or something, I don't know. Enjoy that dinner, enjoy the people that you're with. Love yourself, love music. I am Connor, this has been the Talking Music Podcast. We'll see you guys soon. Do comment about what you think about the albums that we talked about, and uh, yeah, stay happy. Carry on listening to music. Love you all. Peace. Bye, Josh. Hope you have fun listening to this. <laughs>